Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. On Saturday, July 15th, Atlanta United will host Orlando at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The game is going to be broadcast on Fox. Actual kickoff time is 7.55 p.m. In this podcast, you're going to hear from manager Gonzalo Pineda, player Machop Chol, and Tyler Wolf. I'm also going to answer your voicemails and some of your fantastic questions that you sent in to my Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, my email at DRoberson at AJC.com or to Facebook. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Saturday's a big match for Atlanta United. It's a big match for Orlando, too, but we're going to focus on Atlanta United. The Five Stripes are in sixth place with 35 points. They trail third place Nashville by 38. Orlando is in seventh with 34 points. This is the final game for both teams before they head into the League's Cup, which is a tournament featuring all of the MLS clubs and the Liga Emekis clubs, causing MLS to take about a month break to play this tournament. Atlanta United's first game in that is going to be at Miami, on Tuesday, July 25th, I will be down there in Fort Lauderdale for that. Uh, Lionel Messi, knock on wood, might be playing. We will see. Now, first, we're going to go back and look at the New England game on Wednesday. Lenny United had lost that one 2-1, to one, gave up two goals in the first nine minutes, made a formation change out of the back three to a back two, using Ronald Hernandez as a fullback and pushing up into wingers because New England was able to take advantage of some space on the flanks. And then Atlanta United really controlled the rest of the game. They just could not beat Jordi Petrovic, a fantastic goalkeeper for the Revs. Ended up losing 2-1. to one. Machop Chol scored the only goal for Atlanta United in the 93rd minute. Here he is talking about the goal. Yeah, I mean, um, I was just waiting for the cross. It was a little bit short, and the uh, defender decided to take a touch. And I guess he didn't know that I was coming behind him. And uh, yeah, I just took the ball from him and put it on target and went in. And here's Chal talking about the chances. He had two more before he scored. Yeah, yeah, it definitely felt like that. And once I got the first header, it gave me a bit of confidence. And I was like, okay, there's there's chances in this game for me or the team as well. So. And just to give you some insight on what Pineda asked Chol to do when he replaced Miguel Berry. Uh, he wanted me to, first of all, defend properly. And well, not that Miguel wasn't defending properly, but um, he told me to wait for the center backs to at least dribble a bit and then then to press them so they wouldn't go to the other side. And then on the ball, he wanted me to make the runs in between the center bags mm-hmm. and stretch the back line a bit, so, and then be in the box. And then here's Chol talking about the mood when the team was down two to nothing. It was frustrating, of course, but 
it's not like we just put our heads down and thought the game was over. We knew that we would have chances and still fight. And how the late goal gives them some confidence heading into Saturday's match against Orlando. I think we're more so happy about the second half and the way we generated chances mm -hmm. and the way we played. And I think we're looking forward to bringing that same kind of decisiveness and uh, chance creating Saturday. So from the beginning. Tyler Wolf has started the past two matches. I asked him if he was good to go for 65 or 70 on Saturday. I think so. I think just going half last game, of, I was able to get some energy back this couple days and regen, and I think that's a good number, yeah. Just physically how the team feels, Saturday's match is going to be its third in eight days. Yeah, I think everyone, the whole league, all, all the guys are feeling it. Um, I think it's just who can, who can recover quickest, who can have a game model set up to play against their opponent the best, and who can execute it the best. And then how weird it might be not having a league match for a month after Saturday. Yeah, I think we're obviously we're not completely there yet, but um, I think once we kind of turn this page against Orlando, it'll we'll have to kind of reset and think about how this new tournament works. And obviously, I think it'll be different for everybody, um, how, just how the point system is and everything. But I think it'll be interesting. And here's Pineda with some good news if you're an Atlanta United supporter on the status of Yurgo Shakamakis, who has 10 goals, and Miles Robinson, who's been a gone with the U.S. men's national team in its ill-fated effort to win the Gold Cup. They're available. And yeah, we have to see a couple of things, but yeah, I think pretty much they're available and, and probably ready to go if I need them. Here's Pineda on actually everyone being available outside of Tristan Miyumba, who has not received his work visa yet. But for me, everyone is available, actually. One of the great things we had today is the first time in a long time we have pretty much everyone on the field. All the players available are, are in, so that was good news, of course. And, uh, you know, aside from Muyumba, who still can train due to the visas, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's just uh, waiting for that. But then the rest are, are pretty close. And here's Pineda on how Miles Robinson changes things when he comes, if he comes in to, as a third center back in that three center back formation. Yeah, probably the same because, I mean, when you have players that, um, you know, for example, Abram, uh, he, he played actually in a back four for, uh, for Cruz Azul in Mexico as a left back. Hmm. Probably didn't go well, but I think in that moment Cruz Azul wasn't in a great shape. But I think he can be able also to shift on that side okay. and then that pushes Caleb Wiley as a winger. Uh, having Brooks also capable of playing there as a winger. I mean, it can be organically on certain moments, not just, okay, now we're back five, and then until my boys, you have to switch to back four. You can do that during the game. Depends on how many players they press, the active defending, how many players they leave for transition. So you can, you can be more flexible in there, but that requires uh, time to work with that. And here's Pineda giving you a preview of Orlando. Well, they are very solid 4-4-2 defending. Uh, they push Pereira with the nine, Cara, or whoever else. Like, uh, and then uh, inverted wingers with tendencies to come inside. Um, but then in possession, I think the tactics that they use with Smith going either as a as a double pivot, as a attacking midfielder in the pocket, uh, and then the rotations they have. So if he goes 
as a midfielder, then Araujo goes as a 10 in that inner pocket. Normally Facundo Torres out wide, but at times Facundo Torres can be in the pocket. Uh, Smith can be out wide as a winger. So they rotate a lot, especially on the right side. Uh, on the left, they've been more solid. They create the back three once Smith goes to those pockets. So they have a similar shape to us, like a kind of in build-up, they have almost a 3-2-4-1 kind of shape with inverted wingers, which makes them to play a lot inside as well. So they try to overload the middle. And then they have players that are very physical in that part of the field to move out. Actually, Araujo likes also the false fullback position at times. So tactically, it's going to be a challenge. We know that. Uh, they're a team that are, um, is very physical. They have pretty much all the players are fast, are strong, are, you know, have some physical attribute that makes them very good. And when they play, they can play very good. They have good possession sequences. They have good patterns of play. So, so they're a dangerous team, and we know that. Uh, we just have the hope that we can be better tomorrow. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. We've got a few voicemails we're going to listen to. And first, I just want to say, if you're an Atlanta driver and you are in a left-hand turn-only lane that's clearly marked as a left-hand turn-only lane, but you decide that you're going to use that lane to drive all the way down and then try to jam yourself over into a center lane or a right turn-only lane, your arrogance is freaking out. I mean, just astounding. Just astounding. And one day, your car is going to get hit, and I'll have no sympathy for you because you just shouldn't do that. All right. The number is 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. And the first is the answer to the trivia question, which was named the last stadium that Joseph Martinez scored for Atlanta United. A couple of people either didn't read the trivia question that it was a call in or just decided to be like the drivers who go all the way down the left-hand lane and answer it on social media. But here's our first voicemail. Doug, Jack from Atlanta. I'm actually in Nashville today, but to answer your trivia question, I remember watching this goal. I had a great time watching it, knowing it was the last goal for Joseph, and it was indeed at Gillette Stadium playing the Revolution. It was a bittersweet day. We knew, I knew in my head it was the last day we were going to have him, but, you know, could be worse. Um, glad we got to see him get the goal that he had been trying for for years in his final attempt. So, cheers from Barrick in Nashville. Have a good one. Cheers to you. It was a fantastic goal also. On to our second voicemail. 
This is Art Lieb, big fan of your coverage of Atlanta United and of your podcast as well. I had a question regarding uh, incoming transfers. If you think the team is going to not target young South Americans as much going forward uh, because of Garth Lagerway as they have in the past, or if they're going to look toward more established players from Europe or other leagues um, instead of the high-risk potential high reward uh, younger players they've brought in in the past, like Thiago Almada. It doesn't seem like there's been as much chatter since he came in about similar type signings like that. Things like uh, uh, signings like Ezekiel Barco and, and young players like that. But thanks again for all the coverage. Um, really appreciate it. And uh, keep up the great work. I appreciate the compliments and it's a great question. I think if you look at Garth's teams with Seattle and you look at Atlanta United's roster right now, it's a little bottom heavy in terms of young players compared to maybe some more experienced veterans. I think what you'll probably see going forward is if Atlanta United takes a chance on a young, it doesn't have to be South American, but a young player with a lot of potential and a lot of chance to get a good return on the investment, you probably won't see the team adding more than that one. It's just too much of a risk-reward, especially in a salary cap league uh, like Major League Soccer is, to to take those kind of risks. You know, the probabilities of two on the same roster working out aren't great. It's just been proven in, in soccer history. So I think, for example, if they were to sell Almada in the winter window, depending upon what is currently going on with the under-22 initiative players that it has, you probably wouldn't see the team fill all three of those, maybe just one, just to try to balance out the the experience level on the roster. That's a great question. On to our third voicemail. This message is for the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Uh, this is for Daniel. I hope your latest adventures are going well. But if Daniel's not available, uh, Doug can uh, field the question. That would be great as well. This is a soccer basic question, so I don't know if this is relevant to talk about. But uh, expected goals, the statistic of expected goals. I don't understand how this statistic is formulated or calculated. Can, can you go into a primer on that? Thank you, Doug. I would give Daniel a shot at this, but he appears to be tied up right now in a prison in some Eastern European country based upon the video footage I'm receiving right now. Expected goals, it's not really a stat I like, to be honest with you. But it's one that a lot of people seem to like, so that's why I include it. It's one that manager Gonzalo Pineda uses sometimes in press conferences, so that's why I've started including it in the story. It can give you a decent reflection of the likelihood that more or fewer goals should have been scored based upon the quality of shots, and that's what the stat does. It tells you that would the average player, given the same opportunity, take this shot from this spot that was just taken would they score? And there's a, a weight assigned to basically all the different shots and the difficulty and the distance and all that. And that's how expected goals gets calculated. It's a cumulative stat during the game. And then there's also a stat, uh, what is it? Expected goals post shot, I think, something like that, that drills down even deeper on that. So like if you look at, at Lenny United's expected goals and expected goals allowed, it has scored 10 more than it should have, which means that it's either getting really lucky or it has a really, really good player taking some of these shots. And it's pretty clear that they are a little bit lucky, but they also have Tiago Almada 
who is probably the best free kick taker in Major League Soccer. And you've got to consider one of the best in the world right now based upon his form with his long-range efforts. And But it's also allowed about 10 more than it should have. So it also says that it's been fairly unlucky with some shots that, that have gone in as well. So that's how that's figured out. Now our last voicemail. Hey, Doug, it's Brett from Inman Park. Is a great teacher or a tactical genius more likely to have success as an MLS manager? If you were building a club, would you want to hire a manager who can significantly improve the individual skills of their players during their time with the club? Or would you hire a great tactician that doesn't need their players to improve because they can find ways to assemble lineups that cover up the team's weaknesses and exploit the team's strengths? That's a good question. I think it just depends upon the type of roster you have. If you're an MLS team that likes to bank on young players like Atlanta United, I think I would want the teacher to help develop their skills, and and in turn, you're going to get better results in the game. If you're one that likes to go with more veterans and a more quality approach, or not quality, uh, a more uh, standard approach, I would probably want the better tactical guy because those players, you're not going to improve a whole lot. In that case, you just want them to be in the right spots on the field to increase your probability of victory. All right, on to the traditionals. I want to thank everyone for the voicemails. Four, I think, was a, a high for us. That number again is 404-526-AJCP. I'm in a bit of a hurry if I'm talking fast. I'm, my son has a second college tour today, and we're going to head down to Georgia State, and I'm trying to get there by 2 p.m. Hernando says, Do you think raising season ticket prices by almost 16% with no notice or explanation is too much? I get supply and demand, but doesn't loyalty count anymore? Is it the Loggerway effect or the Messi effect or what? Well, there is an explanation. I wrote about the explanation. I tweeted about the explanation. This is not a, a, a criticism of you, Hernando. This is just a social media thing. People need to read and gather facts before forming narratives and opinions. It would go a long way toward helping discourse, not just in sports, but in a lot of things in this country. The season ticket prices increased because last year's season ticket prices only accounted for 17 games. This year's season ticket prices, or next year's, I should say, will account for 18 games. Your 17 MLS games plus one League's Cup match because, well, I'm assuming Atlanta is guaranteed, well, they are, guaranteed at least one home match in the League's Cup every year. That's why, part of why, your ticket price increased because it's an extra game. Overall, I, I did a story about this, and I've also got a spreadsheet right here. The per-game ticket price increase for non-club sections nobody's went up more than six dollars and six cents per ticket now it's easy for me to say that's not much it's not my money and i totally understand that if you don't like that it's gone up you know quite significantly since 2017 but ticket prices do go up every year you are in a better venue mercedes-benz stadium than you were the team has gathered more information. The team is still selling out all games. It still has a long wait list for season tickets. So frankly, if it wanted to, it could probably ask for even more, but it's not doing that. But I do understand the frustration, but I would point out that per game, the most for non-club sections, the increase is $6.06. The cheapest is $2.23 per ticket. So that's the best way I can explain that. But I appreciate the question. Jason says... He's got two questions. 
He's got one that's as intricate as a criminal minds plot. I've never watched that show. Considering Miles Robinson's recent performances, do you think his European contract chances might have taken a hit despite being a national team starter and easily among the top 10 MLS defenders? I think he's probably top three, if not top MLS defender. But that's either here or there. Uh, you could say that, and you could you could make that argument, surely. If I were a club who was interested in Miles, but I didn't want to pay him a lot of money, I would probably make that argument if I were them. And if I were Miles' agent, I would make the opposite argument and point to previous years. Because again, they've given up 10 more goals than they should have this year. And four of those, or 10 of those goals, 10 of the overall goals allowed of 10 of the 37, the best way to put that, happened, well, actually more than that. When Miles wasn't even on the field, he was gone. So probably, golly, looking at the games he's missed recently, probably half of the goals allowed by Atlanta United happened when Miles wasn't even on the field. But it is an interesting thing. We've talked about that, just kind of us sitting around waiting on uh, interviews this season also. On a different note, if he were to stay in MLS, could he potentially command a DP or top TAM salary? Well, that just depends upon the team and its wants. He has at a top TAM salary or really close to it right now. It's clear Atlanta United has offered him the most it can offer him without it being a DP salary, and he has rejected it. So he wants more, so it's going to have to be a DP level. It won't be paid by Atlanta United. It will be paid by someone else if he stays in Major League Soccer. Don't forget to enjoy a sip of coffee. Maybe Daniel could put down his crochet needles and go help Juan Valdez pick some so I can start shipping my special blend. Yeah, I don't know what Daniel's doing, although now his hands are also tied up. Also, any chance you could sneak out some Carvel for a few friends of the podcast, pretty please. I would, except it hasn't been working in a while. I'm hoping it's working on Saturday. His second question, I'm curious about your perspective on the recent Atlanta United match, which seemed to start like a Criminal Minds episode filled with suspense and uncertainty, again with Criminal Minds. After starting out on the back foot, letting in two goals in less than 10 minutes, they seem to regain some composure. That is true. And your view is our subsequent play and more about the inherent offensive prowess Or was it more about the revolutions possibly easing on the throttle and focusing on defending their lead? I think it's a combination. I think New England did let up a little bit, but also Atlanta United made a formation change, which I wrote about twice in my game story. And then the things learned in which they kind of abandoned the three center backs and went with two center backs, pushed Hernandez to fullback, pushed Wiley up to a winger to try to take away some of the space on the sides that New England was taking advantage of with switches of play. And then Atlanta United really began to to come into its own. And it was uh, 11 shots on target, which set a franchise record for road games and tied a franchise record for shots uh, in a road game. Uh, 24 or 26, I can't remember what it was. Eric says, thanks to Atlanta United and the men's national team losing on Wednesday, he's feeling down. He's sure he's not alone. Would I please sing the chorus to always look on the bright side of life to cheer us up? This is a reference to a Monty Python answer I gave to his last question. All right, Eric, here I go. Daniel, is the microphone working? I just finished. Ah, something must have happened with the microphone. It was the best version you've ever heard. Adam says, I am pleased with Atlanta's fight back, but that breakaway goal allowed for the second was very weak. Once again, Atlanta plays pays dearly for individual mistakes. Uh, so the goal, it happened, it was an Almada giveaway with Atlanta United really, really attacking a lot of players in New England's defensive third. Almada had the giveaway. Carlos Hill megged Santiago Sosa, 
Carlos Hill is a fantastic player. I don't know what else Sosa could have done. He was trying to close him down. He was trying to slow down the play, and he got megged. It, and it wasn't like his legs were wide apart. It was like a wicket, and he'll still put the ball in, took a touch, and then played a fantastic pass to Veroni, split the center backs. I think it was Parata and Abram. For Veroni to run on to, he rounded Guzan goal. Can anyone else start up top besides Barry? Sure. You can. Brad Guzan can. Chole was more productive in his 20 minutes than Barry in 70. When y'all say these things, you need to keep in mind game modes, game states, okay? Barry worked hard, pressed hard. I mean, yeah, he needs to score more. He needs to get some more shots, but he's also getting no service. When you're in the final 20 minutes of a game on the road, Atlanta United is going to throw everything forward. New England's going to do everything it can to defend. So naturally, Chole is going to get some more chances than Barry. But I won't be surprised if Atlanta United does bring in another striker in the transfer window. He continues, I'm glad Pineda used all of his subs, knowing we have another big match coming this weekend. And you know I hate the specter of one loss turning into two due to fatigue momentum. At any point during the second half, when behind by two goals, does Pineda contemplate subs and strategy strictly to conserve for the next match? I wouldn't if I were him. Atlanta United was shooting and shooting and shooting and just kept getting denied by a hot goalkeeper. They had a chance to, to tie the game, to get into the game and, and tie it and steal a point. And if Pineda did that, y'all would absolutely crush him. I mean, just absolutely crush him for thinking that way. I'd Not you specifically, but others would. Thanks for the coverage, and as always, may your ice cream dish runneth over. I love that thought. Chris says, for tomorrow's podcast, it seems to me that the expectation for a road win or even points with only one DP versus a team with three is a bit off. Very good point, Chris. Atlanta with two DPs could allow for higher expectations. Realistically, the squad is undergoing an in-season overhaul that will not play out until the window is closed. Visas are obtained and some integration happens. Y'all cannot put all these expectations on Miyamba talking about visas. I have no idea what kind of player he could be, but just reading it on social media and the expectations are a little bit crazy. If you remember, some of you thought Huzetu was going to be the next big thing after he scored two goals against a D-level Birmingham side in the preseason a few years ago. Just let the guy play a few games and then let's see what what, what there is. He continues, I think Lagerway's in year one of his in-flight retrofit. You are correct. Chant says, with the consolation goal and the no-call handball, talking about the first half against the Rebs, the Revs, I suppose United didn't perform too badly, but man was it rough watching both Atlanta and America's best country croc impressions because the other teams cut through the defenses like butter. Ha! But with that being said, with Robinson coming back a little sooner, do you think we'll keep, the team will keep the current formation upon his return or is it back to business as usual? Enjoy your coffee. I hope it isn't overly bitter like me last night watching the games from chance. No, I think they're going to keep the the back three, but Abram is going to be trained in again into being a fullback so that they can have some formational flexibility. Jeff says, Hi, Doug. One of the things I really enjoy about your podcast is your interviews with Nada and the players. Well, it's a group interview, but thank you. On today's podcast, I was really struck with the old cliche that winning fixes everything. I was surprised with how relaxed and comfortable both Pineda and Guzan sounded in the interviews. It illustrates the pressures they have to win. For the unwashed masses like me among your listeners, can you explain the difference between inverted wingers and regular old wingers? Sure. 
An inverted winger is typically one, let's say they're left-footed, but they get played on the right side so that they can cut in on their stronger left foot for shooting purposes. A natural winger is one that they're right-footed and they'll play on the right side, typically hug that touch line and put in more crosses. They can still get in and attack, but their job is to more put in crosses where the inverted winger job is to either take shots or try to play off attacking midfielders and strikers to get into space or put them into space. And our question of the week comes from Nick. To lighten the mood on what I expect will be a negative mailbag, I'd like to share my they made an appearance for Atlanta United question mark starting 11. Here it is in a 5-3-2 because I couldn't think of a defensive midfielder. So he starts off with striker Alessandro Lopez, left wing Dion Pereira, right wing Manuel Castro, center midfielder Chris Goslin, center midfielder Lagos Kunga, left back Breck Shea, center back Harrison Heath, center back Florentine Pogba, center back Mark Bloom, Bloom, right back Sal Zizo, goalkeeper Alex Tambakas. I got a three more, a few more I can throw in. You got Jeffrey O2, midfielder or winger, Junior Burgos, midfielder Paul Christensen, goalkeeper, the guy that they signed from Orlando the first year and never played a game. Who was that? We were just talking about this, Nick. Were we on Twitter? Oches, Brian Roches. He then went to Portugal and is now back in, I think, Honduras. Those are a few that you could throw on. Kyle Rainish is another that you could throw on. Anyway, that was a fun little exercise. We're going to wrap up this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. If you're in the left-hand turn lane, don't try to jam yourself in on the right when you know it's a left-hand turn lane. Just go ahead and get over. Don't be a jerk. Hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. Pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.